Well, my name is Daniel, and I am the community pastor here. It's my honor to share with you this Thanksgiving weekend. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you got stupid full with turkey and football and shopping and all the great things that come along with Thanksgiving. I was just telling someone today, any holiday where God gives us a free pass on gluttony is okay. In my book, I believe in Jesus' names, the calories consumed on Thanksgiving do not count. In faith, we just believe that and receive that in Jesus' name. So we're concluding our series today, Rock Your World. And man, we've been spending the last few weeks looking at purpose, destiny, and we're going to have what I hope is a powerful conversation today about that. Speaking of things that are powerful, by the way, before I get too far, for those of you that have been here over the last few weeks, you've heard Pastor Brad sharing about the financial shortfall we've had uh, just over the summer, you know, giving goes down over the summer, as it does in every church. It's not just specific to our church. It just happens. But we had a hard time making up that deficit. Well, I am very happy to stand before you today to let you know that we have completely made up the deficit that we've experienced. And so thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And thank you for your belief in what God is doing here, prioritizing the local church. Because I'm living it too, guys. We know that you know, this, this is a hard time of year. We're stretched thinner than ever this time of year financially. And so thank you for your belief in what God is doing here. You're not just keeping a church going, but, but the lives that are being changed, the people that are really experiencing those things we talk about every week, hope, healing, peace, and purpose. It happens because of your partnership. So thank you, guys for doing that. It means the world to us. Don't forget, Christmas is right around the corner. We want to see that board filled up with prayer names. We want to see just inviting, grabbing invite cards because we believe God's doing something. By the way, if you've been to our Christmas services before, we we are completely revamping it this year. When you come back next week, the Advent service, if you've been to one of our Advent services before and you think you know what's going to happen, you have no idea what is going to happen next week. In two weeks, when you come for core worship, it's going to be so different. You are, you are going to have no idea. It's going to be different. It's going to be fresh. Um, in Jesus' name, it's going to be powerful. I hope it's going to be powerful, Eric. It's going to be good. So, um, so I just want to encourage you. It's going to be different, especially these next two weeks are, are going to be completely new. So really want to encourage you to um, get excited about that and, and grab some people with you. All right. Uh, let me get to the scripture so that you guys can sit down. Finally, Matthew. 26 is where we're going to be today. Matthew 26. We've been looking at the life of the disciple Peter throughout this series. And so Peter was one of Jesus's right-hand men. But Peter was, Peter was great because he had a lot of ups and he had a lot of downs. And today we're going to be looking at probably the lowest moment in Peter's, Peter's life and, and really the hardest moment in Jesus's life. We're going to be talking about some tough things today as we conclude our series. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, I just want to encourage you to grab your smartphone, go to your app store. There's a lot of great Bible apps. Uh, we like the YouVersion app. There's some great reading plans on there as well. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, the New Living Translation. So Matthew 26, hear all the digital Bibles rustling right now. It's great. Matthew 26, 36 through 43 says, Then when Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. They must have served turkey at the last supper. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Today, we are going to talk about something that could be revolutionary for some of you, something that's, that I think could be a source of a springboard, of freedom and a springboard as, as you discover your purpose and as you walk out your purpose. Today, we're going to talk about how the answer is only a stone's throw away. So Father, we come before you today and we're just so thankful, God, to be in your house God, we thank you for this worship, Lord, for just your presence that is already here. God, you've already done things in the hearts and lives of people today. And we just stop to thank you from the bottom of our heart for that. And God, we open up our mind and we open up our heart to hear from you this morning. God, would you speak to us? God, would you speak truth into our heart? Would you speak truth into our mind? Lord, your truth sets us free. And so, Lord, we just ask, God, that you would do a deep work in us, God, um, Lord, be with me as I, as I bring the word today. Uh, be with Brad and Laura, Lord, as, as they're resting. God, just be with them, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. If you're ready to hear from God, can I get a big amen? amen. Awesome. You guys can be seated. So have you guys ever had something totally not go according to plan? You know, like you, you plan it out, you lay it out, and you have, okay, this is going to be awesome and then it completely goes not to plan. Well, I, I've had several of these things happen in my life, and I probably tried to repress them also, but as I was thinking of a back one, so a few uh, years ago, my first year full-time here at the church, it was my job to plan the core Christmas party. So every year we get our core teams together, and we have a great volunteer Christmas party. It's always a good time. Well, the first year that I was full-time here at the church, um, see, I, I, I wasn't always in full-time ministry. I came out of the, the marketplace, was in business development and sales, and I came out of that and uh, answered the call of God to come full-time here at the church. And so I was tasked with coming up with the Christmas party. Now, I've never planned a party like this. On this. I've, I've never really even planned a birthday. My wife won't even let me plan a birthday party. People say, I don't, I don't know how I got tasked with planning the Christmas party. And, and so one of the things you have to do when you have a gathering you know, of church folk, you have to play some games, right? And so during this time a few years ago, Minute to Win It, how many of you guys remember Minute to Win It? You know, was, was huge. If you don't know what Minute to Win It is, it was a game show where they basically took like college drinking games and somehow turned it into a game show where you could win like a million dollars or whatever. And so, you know, all the games had to do with like a ping pong ball and like a red solo cup. You know, it was just, it was just one of those shows. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I decided, hey, wouldn't it be great if we do some Minute to Win It games? And um, now, when I picked these games, full disclosure, I didn't think through the games as properly as I should have. You know exactly where I'm going with this. And so, um, honestly, I picked them because some of the games, you know, they, they have a lot of props, and some of the props were kind of involved. So I picked it based on what could we pull off easily, like what would require a minimal prop setup and things like that. So we, we played a few games, and... I guess just because God loves me, we saved the coup de grace, we saved the, the icing on the cake for last, we played the final minute to win it game, and it involved hitting a ping pong ball into a red solo cup that was placed over here, kind of like golf, okay? Sounds easy enough, right? Well, the putter 
for the ping pong ball was a banana. Okay, church, here's the deal. The banana was tied around your waist with a string, and then a string going down from this way right here to the floor, and the banana dangled on the floor, and you had to then use the banana dangling on the floor between your legs to hit the ping pong ball into the cup. Some of you, some of you have had your coffee this morning. You already know where I'm going with this. I orchestrated the game where I had people dancing on this very stage that I'm standing on in a way that was not pleasing to the Lord. As the, as the banana dangled between their legs and they were, you know, trying to hit the, hit the ping pong ball into, you see where I'm going with this, people? I mean, this is... Sometimes things don't go according to plan. I, I'm really sorry about that, by the way. I had no idea. I'm looking, I'm looking at the guy who, who was one of my guinea pigs. Anyways, sometimes things don't go according to plan. And when it comes to our purpose and our destiny, all this talk we've had over the last few weeks of, of finding our purpose and finding our calling, doesn't it seem like things never go according to plan? Like for some of you here today, you have not yet discovered your, your purpose and your calling and, and this destiny thing, and, and you think, okay, well, I'm going to get a plan and I'm going to figure it out. So maybe you go to our Discover class, which is happening here in this next service. You take your cause assessment, which is a tool we have to help you on this journey. And you take your spiritual gifts test. You take your personality test. And you're like, All right, I'm going to work the plan. I've got the plan. I'm going to work the plan. So you figure out what it is. And you're going to pray. And you seek God. And you feel, okay, I'm going to do this. You get involved in this ministry area. Or maybe you even start a ministry. And you go on the missions trip. And you make the difference. And you're out feeding the homeless. And you're doing a thing. And all of a sudden, you're so fulfilled. And your life has destiny and purpose and meaning. And you're going to make this big difference in the world. And when you die, the place is going to be packed out at your funeral because you've made a giant difference in the world. And that's the plan. I'm going to have the plan. And I'm going to work the plan but often it doesn't go like that. For some of you here, you, you so desperately want to hear from God on what your plan and what your purpose and what you're calling it is, is, but it seems like you pray and you pray and you seek and you seek and you dig and you dig and you do the thing and you do the thing, but it seems like your purpose and your calling are, are no closer to you than when you first started. Maybe they even feel further away from you than you first started. That You tried to work the plan, you tried to have the plan, but the plan did not go like it should have. For others of you here, you have, a, you have a sense of what God's called you to do. You have a sense of this pull and this, this tug on your heart and on your life to make a difference in the world. But, but your frustration comes in that no matter how much you try to walk toward that thing, no matter how much you try to enact that plan, it seems like one thing after another always happens that keeps you from your calling, that keeps you from your destiny. For some of you, you want to go on that missions trip but the funding and the finances never seem to work themselves out. And you keep thinking, well, next year, next year, and it feels like next year never happens. For others of you, you want to foster that child. You heard the stories of foster care and adoption Sunday, and you feel the tug on your heart and say, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. But your work schedule gets crazier and crazier, and you think, when am I going to have the time? And you try to have the plan, but it feels like the plan is never going to work itself out. For others of you here, you want to go back to school and you want to go and change your career field and get into from an area where you feel ineffective into an area where you feel like God is calling you, but you try to work it out and your credits won't transfer. And instead of looking at a year or two years, you're now looking at three to four years because what seemed like was supposed to be easy and was supposed to work itself out didn't. And the plan comes off the rails and you're sitting there and you're frustrated 
and you're angry. And what, what's interesting about this, this conversation of purpose and destiny is, is I think it's actually a source of great frustration for a lot of Christ followers. That it's supposed to be something that's a source of joy and fulfillment. I found my calling and I found my purpose and I'm walking in what God wants me to do. But for a lot of us here, this conversation that we've been having over the last few weeks is actually a source of frustration. It's actually a source of, uh, of resentment. Like, God, why won't you show it to me? Or God, why won't you let me do what, what I feel like you're calling me to do? And God, why, why is it that I feel like I'm tugging this way, but, but then you, there's these roadblocks and these barriers, and why can't I walk in that? And instead of being a source of joy, it becomes a source of frustration. And because of this, I actually think the enemy uses this conversation of, of purpose and destiny and calling and all of these things, that he uses this to drive a wedge in our relationship with God. That instead of drawing us closer to God, it drives us further from God. And so we're going to look at today what happens to us in, in these moments, um, because this is exactly where we find Peter. This is exactly where we pick up this story. See, Peter had a plan. And he was going to work that plan. We talked a little bit about this last week, but Peter had this plan. He knew Jesus was the Messiah, and he had a plan and an idea of what that meant. See, Jesus was the Messiah, and that meant that he was going to come in, he was going to overthrow the Roman government, he was going to establish the nation and the kingdom of Israel that would last forever, and Peter was going to be his right-hand man. Peter was going to have a front-row seat to the revolution. Peter was going to be one of the generals, and he was going to help Jesus overthrow the government. He was going to help Jesus establish the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Israel. That was Peter's idea, and that was Peter's plan. And Jesus kept dropping all these hints on Peter, but Peter was like most men, you know, he wasn't really listening. He was kind of like, okay, Jesus, whatever. You're still going to do what I think you're going to do. And then we get all the way fast forward to this night, to the night where Jesus is having the Last Supper. You know, and, and Leonardo da Vinci's there, and he's painting it all for posterity's sake. And, you know, so this Last Supper is going down. And then Peter, goes, Peter um, goes with James and John up with Jesus to pray, and he can just see, tonight's different. There's something different about Jesus tonight. There, there's something different in the air tonight. See, he had seen Jesus elude all of the attempts to arrest him before. He'd seen Jesus slip through the crowd. He had seen Jesus dumbfound the wisest people sent to trap him. He had seen Jesus stand up to the, the rulers and the powers of that day. He'd seen Jesus do it all. But tonight, there was something different about it. And tonight was the night when Peter's plans were going to come completely off the rails. And we're going to look at what happened in Peter's life because the enemy comes after us in these moments when God stops doing what we think he's supposed to do, when God starts leading us somewhere we don't think we're supposed to go, when God starts asking us for things we don't think we can give. This is the moment when the enemy comes in and he tries to drive that wedge in our life, tries to drive that wedge between us and God. This is exactly what happened to Peter. In fact, Jesus knew about this, and so Jesus warns them in Matthew 26, verse 41. Jesus talking to Peter, James, and John, he says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into to what? Temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And I was so fascinated by this because this word temptation appears in every gospel retelling of this story. Jesus saying, watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. And so I began to wonder, what, what temptation is Jesus talking about here? And as I studied and as I looked at the life of Peter, I believe there are specific temptations that the enemy comes at us with when the plan goes off the rails. 
when God stops making sense, especially when it comes to our destiny and, and, and walking out and our calling and trying to find our purpose and our fulfillment in what God asked us to do, especially in this area, when things stop making sense, when it stops going like we think it should, that there's, a specific, there's specific temptations the enemy comes at us with because we, we're going to see it unfold in the life of Peter. And these same things happen, that happened to Peter happen to us today. And so today we're going to talk about these temptations. And honestly, it's going to get kind of dark and it's going to get kind of scary. But there's good news because we're going to see what Jesus did. And I think for some of you, it's going to be a light bulb moment for you. It's going to be a simple thing, but a powerful thing that's going to shift your perspective and help you carry out the plan and the call that God has for your life. And so um, we're going to pick it up. We're going to look at some of these temptations. So first one I want to look at is, is actually found in the book of John. This is John's retelling of the story. And John says uh, here in John 18, 10, Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. So a little background on what happens here. So Jesus is praying. Then Judas comes with the mob to arrest Jesus. And then John retells the story that Peter takes out a sword and cuts off the high priest's uh, slave's ear. Now, I think this is really interesting because in no other gospel retelling is Peter the one specifically mentioned. But John and Peter had this rivalry thing, and so I, I just love that John totally threw Peter under the bus here in this moment. He's like, no, Peter was the one that cut off the slaves. I could just imagine Peter getting a first draft of, God, of John's copy of the gospel. He's like, really, John? Really, you had to call me out by name with the ear thing? John's like, you know, doing one of those deals. So, so we see here that in this moment, Peter succumbs to the first temptation. When things stop going our way, when things come, come off the, the tracks, when the plan doesn't go according to plan, our temptation is to demand. Our temptation is to demand and to force our way. Because this is what Peter was doing. He was, going, he was demanding a revolution, and he was going to force his will on it. And he was going to be the one to start it. He was going to take that sword. And with a slice of an ear, he was starting the revolution. He said, Jesus, you're off track here. You don't know what you're doing right now. So I'm going to step in and I'm going to force what I want to happen to happen. And so he takes the sword and he cuts off the high priest's ear because he is like, viva la revolution. He's going he's to have at it. And he's forcing his way in this situation. You guys ever tried to force something? So I, uh, I, I, you know, I love guitars, and that's one of the things that I've talked about a few times. And so one time I'm working on a guitar, very expensive guitar, and I'm trying to do a, just a real simple modification to the guitar. And it requires me to drill a pilot hole into the guitar to, to um, insert a very small screw, once again, into my very expensive guitar. And so I'm going, and I'm nervous, but I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this because I don't have the wisdom to not do it. And so, and, and so I'm drilling the hole in... <laughs> And um, I get, you know, I drill the pilot hole in, I'm, I'm doing, the, doing the screw, and, and so I have like this much screw left, and I feel it stop, right? And so I think, I've only got this much screw left, I'm just going to go for it. And I, I twist that screwdriver, and what happens, the screw pops, the head of the screw pops off, and now all of a sudden, my very expensive guitar has a nice new freckle in it because I have a screw broken off on the inside of the guitar. Some of you guys, you've had similar experiences with, with things. When you force it, you break it. When you force it, you break it. 
And, and I think oftentimes in our life we get to that point of frustration where we try to force things with God because we're not happy with the way he's doing things or we're not satisfied at the pace at which he's moving. God, you're not moving fast enough. God, I wish you would get off your duff and do something about this situation. God, you said this, but now I see this. And so God, clearly you need my help to get you back on track to motivate you. It's like your kids getting dressed. You know, you got to give God a little, come on, come on, let's get going. And we get, we get upset and we try to force things to happen with God. But when we force it, we break it. And for some of us, the, the frustration and the tension of that is that we can try to pry open doors that God is shutting because we're trying to force our way and we're trying to force our will and we're trying to force our timing. We're trying to force our desire into the situation. We're demanding our own way. We're demanding, God, do it my way. God, do it my time. When we demand and we force and we try to pry open things that God is actually trying to shut in our lives. For some of you, you desperately want a new job, but the timing's not right. But you're going to demand and you're going to force your own way. So you send out the resumes, you, you send out the applications, and maybe you even get that job, but that's not the job God wanted you to have because job, God has a better job for you that he would have given you if you would have just waited for his timing. Some of you desperately want to get out of debt, and so you think, I'm going to work, I'm going to go do the Dave Ramsey thing and work the second job, but actually God doesn't want you to do that right now because your family desperately needs you. But instead, you're trying to force your way and you're trying to make it happen on your own. And so and you, there's strife then because you're, you're trying to force your way. For some of you, you're, you're trying to force your way and I'm, I'm going to get my kid that scholarship. And so you prioritize their, their games and all that above everything else, above church and above it all. And maybe you get that scholarship, but maybe God wanted to do it a different way so that you could also show them they could have that. Plus, they can still prioritize being in the house of God. There's, when we force things, we may even get what we want, but what do we break in the process? What do we break in the process? See, we pray for God to do a specific things, and oftentimes we get mad when it doesn't unfold just like the way we want it to, and instead of trusting, we demand and we force. Now, here's, here's the, the big problem that, that comes up with this, because you think, Daniel, I thought I was supposed to be active. I, I thought I was supposed to, like, do things for God, you know, and and so how do I know now if I'm forcing it or if I'm just being proactive, if I'm just partnering with God? Isn't, isn't that really the tension? You know, it's like, well, how do I know if, if I'm supposed to send out the resumes? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Am I forcing it or am I partnering with God? Because in the story, Jesus is the one that tells Peter to bring the sword to dinner, okay? And so now, now you get mad at Peter for chopping off the guy's ear. You told me to bring the sword, Jesus. What's going on here? Yes, Jesus told Peter to bring the sword, but Jesus did not tell Peter to chop off the guy's ear. Peter did that on its own, on his own. And here's how you know. Here's the real simple way. Here's how you know if you're forcing it or if you're partnering with God. We, we know we're forcing it simply when, so simple, simply when we do things that God does not tell us to do. God may have equipped you with tools. He may have equipped you with things. But if you're walking out of step, if you're walking out of time, if you're doing things that God has not released you to do or God has not told you to do or God's told you not to do and you do them anyway, when you do that, you're forcing it. And the longer you force it, you're going to break something because it's just what happens. You're going to break something. And this is why it's so important that we walk in prayer 
And this is why it's so important that we walk close to people in our life that can see our blind spots and see things in our life that we can't see. Because if not, we're going to drift back into forcing it and demanding our own way. We're going to drift back into demanding and forcing. And the more we do that, the more we're going to break things in our life. Just like Peter broke this guy's ear, the more dangerous we become, the more we try to demand and the more we try to force. That's the first temptation that the enemy gets. When God stops acting like we want him to, man, God, you're going to do it my way. And we demand and we force our way, which brings us to the next temptation that we see. We find this in Matthew 26, 56. At this point, the disciples deserted him and fled. The next temptation is for us to desert because when things don't go according to plan, we're tempted to give up, we're tempted to desert. And this, these are dark soul of the, dark night of the soul moments. These are crisis of faith moments. This is, this is Jesus getting arrested. This is Jonah in the belly of the fish. This is Daniel as the stone is being rolled over the lion's den. This is this is me as the banana is dangling between people's legs, and I'm like, what have I done? You know, this is, these are dark night of the soul moments when we feel that God's completely left us, that God has completely lost his mind, and maybe there's nothing left for us to do, and maybe we should leave, and maybe we should desert, because I, you ever had that feeling of like, God, if you want this to happen so bad, God, if you really want me to discover my purpose, why are you making it so hard? God, if you really want me to, to do this ministry, then why are you making it so hard? Why, is it so, why does it feel so impossible? God, if I'm really supposed to do this, why does it feel like I'm facing nothing but roadblocks and nothing but opposition? And in those moments, it's so easy for us to say, forget you, God, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. You're asking too much. You're demanding too much. You're at, and you don't even, where are you anyway? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you making this happen, God? I thought this is what you wanted of me. And now here we are, and I feel like you're a million miles away, and I'm stuck with this thing, God. I'm done. I'm out. And that's the temptation. The disciples, exactly what happened, that Jesus is arrested, and their plans come completely done. And they scatter. They say, man, I can't do this. Forget this. I'm out. And in these moments, we feel abandoned by God. We feel like, the, we feel like God's left us. But, but there's something really critical I want us to see in that passage. It says, at this point, the disciples deserted him and fled. Because it feels like God deserts us in these dark night moments. It feels like God's the one that's moved on and we're stuck here. But, but could it be? Could it be, in fact, that, that maybe we're the ones that drift from him? Maybe we're the ones that drift from him. That, that maybe God is, is moving on to a place where, where God's calling us to follow him into the pain where God's calling us to follow him into the confusion, where God's calling us to follow him into the things that don't make sense, into the darkness, to the trial, to the cross, to the grave, so that we can experience a resurrection. Because church, I, I want to be, be crystal clear on something here right now. God does not abandon us. God does not abandon us. In Hebrews 13, 5, the scripture says, for God has said, God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. John 14, 8 says, Jesus talking here, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you 
And this is why it's so important when we feel lost, when we feel like giving up, this is not the time to quit, but this is the time to dig in deeper. This is the time to press in further to the, the things of God because he's not abandoning us, but maybe he's moving on and he's calling, come follow me, come follow me. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when it stretches you to the point you feel like you can't be stretched anymore, follow me still because there's a miracle, there's a resurrection, there's a hope waiting on the other side if we'll just continue to follow. Thank you, three people that are excited about that. Yeah, it's okay to clap, by the way. We're not, you know, you're not going to throw. So the final temptation, the final temptation. So the first, to demand, we force our way. The next one that, that we desert. The final temptation we see here in Matthew 26. So Jesus is arrested. He's taken to the, the trial, and, and, and Peter's kind of following from a distance because he thinks maybe, maybe Jesus is going to do the Jesus thing and get out of the situation. Peter comes up and says, in 2675, suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. The final temptation is for us to deny. And this is, this is where we, we get bitter and jaded toward the whole thing. I thought God had a plan for me but I tried it and it didn't work out, so I guess I was wrong. I thought God wanted purpose for my life, but I keep trying to find it and it's not there, so I, I guess God doesn't have anything for me. And, he, and the enemy gets us to a point where we deny the faith that God uses to get us to do things. See, some of you think, well, I would never deny God. I, I, I would never walk away from Jesus. Well, I don't think the enemy's after something that extreme. I think what the enemy is after in, these, in this final moment of, of temptation is to get you to deny, now listen carefully, to get you to deny the faith that you used to step out in the first place. Because if he can get you to deny that faith, that the, the thing inside you that gets you to take that step of faith, to trust God out into the unknown, to get out of the boat and out into the water, the, the step of faith that says, okay, I don't see it, but I'm gonna trust anyway. If he can get you to say that that is bogus, that that is what betrayed you and get you to deny that. He knows he will, he has you because you will be an ineffectual, unuseful Christian because you're never gonna take a step of faith to do something great for God. And this is why the final temptation is so important because it's the point where you say, I'm never gonna be that embarrassed again. I'm never going to, to put myself in that situation again. I'm never going to attempt something like that again. And if he can get you to that point, he has you because you'll never take that step of faith. Again, you may still believe in God. You may still come to church. You may still give. You may still do all the, the, the Jesus things. But if he can get you to never take a step of faith out to the unknown again, he has you because he's gotten you to deny that faith. So how do, how do we avoid these temptations? Let, let, let's, let's talk about some good news here. In Luke's retelling of this story, he uses a phrase that I just love. He says in Luke twenty two forty one, 41, he, Jesus, walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Now, this is what we have to understand about this. We kind of think of Jesus as like being above all of this, like these temptations were for Peter, but Jesus wasn't really phased by them. Well, Jesus, Jesus said, watch and pray to avoid temptation. I think he was also talking to himself. I believe Jesus faced these same temptations that we talked about, these temptations to demand and desert and deny that Jesus faced these temptations too because Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. That means he felt the same things you and I feel. And in this moment, 
You see, we see that Jesus could have demanded and forced his own way. He could have been like, right, Peter, get that sword. We're going to take the hill and we're going to march on Rome and I'm going to gather up all my followers and we're going to overthrow the government and I'm setting up my kingdom right here on earth. He could have demanded his way. He could have deserted the plan of God. He could have said, Father, it's too much what you're asking of me. The cross and, and the nail. See, we, we don't know what's coming for us, but Jesus knew exactly what was coming for him. He knew the price. He knew the pain. He knew the suffering, and he could have said, God, I'm out. Father, I'm out. It's too much what you're asking of me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to suffer in this way, and he could have deserted the plan of God, and he could, have, he could have denied it. You know, he could have said, hey, guys, that whole Messiah thing, I don't know what I was doing. I, I had some bad pizza or something. I'm really sorry about that. You know what? If you just let me teach in the synagogue a few times a month, and I'll go back to building cabinets, and, and we're cool, right? He could have denied the whole thing to preserve his own life. He knew what was coming. He faced these same temptations, and yet he prayed and rose above them. See, I believe that for many of us today, the difference between life and death, the difference between victory and defeat, the difference between purpose and anonymity is only a stone's throw away. That it's not in you having to reboot and the whole system and blow everything up and that you're way off base. I think you're closer than you think. I think you're only a stone's throw away. Just as Jesus only went a stone's throw away to pray that many of you in this place, you're a stone's throw away from victory. That you're a stone's throw away from purpose. That you're a stone's throw away from discovering the thing that God wants you to have. You're, you're a stone's throw away from walking in the fullness of your calling. But it's just going to require a small shift in your mindset. It's just going to require you to go from one place to another. That it's not some big 12-step thing you have to do. But it's something that in, in Jesus' prayer that we see that, that's a shift. That's just a small stone's throw away. But for you could unlock the key as you follow in this calling and destiny that God has for you. And what is that stone's throw mentality? What's that breakthrough? We find it in Matthew 26, 39. Jesus praying, and he says, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Jesus prioritized the will of the Father above all else. Now, you may be thinking, Daniel, that's like the churchiest answer I've ever heard. I want you to think about the implications of this, though. Jesus prioritized the will of the Father above his personal comfort. Jesus prioritized the will of the Father above his personal goals and ideas. Jesus prioritized the will of the Father above his very own life. That when we really surrender to the will of the Father, that something shifts inside of us when it comes to walking in our purpose and walking in our calling. See, God wants you to find fulfillment, and God wants you to, to be fulfilled and discover purpose, but discovering purpose isn't about fulfillment, and God wants you to, to walk in destiny so that, that you can have a sense of identity, but discovering your purpose and discovering your calling isn't about your identity. And discovering purpose, and gives, it certainly gives you a sense of, of direction, but, but walking in your destiny isn't about you knowing the path. But what God uses and what God breathes life into are people that are completely and totally surrendered to his will above their own comfort, above their own goals, above their own desires, that we say, God, no matter what I feel, I'm going to chase after your will. God, no matter what I see, I'm going to chase after your will. God, no matter what I want, I'm going to chase after your will. And when we put the will of the Father above everything else, above our own emotions, above our own desires, above our own needs, when we say the will of the Father comes first, these are the people that are in prime position for God to use to change the world. It's not some big makeover mentality, but it's just a stone's throw away. 
that for some of you, t- breakthrough is, is so close for you. You're tempted right now. You're, you're, you're in a place with your destiny. You're tempted. You're de- you want to demand. You want to force it. You want to try to make it happen on your own. And you're just so frustrated with God. God, why aren't you doing it right? God, why aren't you doing it fast enough? God, why aren't you? And, and instead of getting frustrated and start demanding and trying to force your way with God, that you're a stone throw away that you could say, God, not my will, but your will be done. That for others of you, you're so tempted right now to desert, and you say, God, forget it. It's too much. God, you're asking too much of me. God, I can't give you anymore. God, I have nothing left to give, and where are you anyway? And God's saying, if you'll follow me into the pain, if you'll follow me into the things that don't make sense, if you'll follow me no matter the cost, I'm going to do a great thing in your life. You may not see it now. You may not understand it now, but if you'll say, God, not my will, but God, your will be done, God's going to do something great in your life. For some of you, you feel beaten down and you feel like, I don't even know if I can take another step of faith. I don't even know if what I heard was God or the pizza talking. I'm so frustrated. I'm so bent. Maybe there's nothing left for me. And maybe I'm just supposed to sit here and be a bump on the log. And I would tell you, don't deny the purpose and don't deny the dreams and don't deny the calling that God's placed on your life because you're a stone's throw away from breakthrough. It's not about your will, but it's about his will. And if you'll surrender it to him, God's going to breathe new life into your dry bones. He's going to do it for you. He's going to resurrect you. And he has a plan and a purpose and a calling for your life. Breakthrough's not far from you. Breakthrough is a stone's throw away. God, not my will, but your will be done. God, not my way, but your way. God, not my plans, but your plans. God, not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Breakthrough is a stone's throw away. You may feel like it's too late for you, like you've already succumbed to all these temptations and you have nothing left. I want to tell you, Peter gave in to all three of these things, and Jesus comes back to him after the resurrection and restores him. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And Jesus gently restores him. I want to tell you, no one in this place is too far gone from the hand of God. You may feel like you've been chasing after your purpose and your destiny. I want to tell you, keep chasing you may feel like God's given you something and every door is closed. I want to tell you, keep pursuing. You may feel like that, that you've gone too far and, and your faith is dead. I want to tell you, keep seeking because God wants to breathe new faith and new life and new hope and new dreams inside of you today. Would you stand?